Hello and welcome to A Year with the Beatles, a limited series of podcasts exploring virtually every studio album by the Beatles, month by month. My name is Graham Burke, and I'm joined now by music critic and writer of the blog The Delete Bin, Rob Jones. Hello, Rob. Hello, Graham. Also joining us is Erica Enzine, whose voice can be heard on many, many podcasts, too short to list in a space like this, but we'll stick with the Verity and Uncanny Magazine podcasts. Welcome, Erica. <laughs> Thank you. I'm pleased to be here. Now, as we end the first half of our year through the Beatles' discography, we thought that we would offer, as a supplement to our sixth episode, some consideration to the songs produced by the Beatles that didn't make it onto any of the albums we've been discussing so far. So we've limited this to singles and B-sides, so no Cub Gimme or Dinah Hand, I'm afraid. So to give you a flavoring of what we'll be talking about, here's all that remains from 1962 to 1965 in singles and B-sides in two minutes, more or less. So in case you're wondering, those songs were From Me to You and Thank You Girl and She Loves You and I'll Get You and I Want to Hold Your Hand and This Boy from 1963, I Feel Fine and She's a Woman from 1964, Yes It Is, I'm Down, We Can Work It Out, and Day Tripper from 1965. Now, Rob, yes. since you're the fount of music history that's here today. Oh, no. 
You always say, oh, no, when this happens. I know. I know. I know, I know. I know. I'm just wondering if maybe you can explain the role of the single in pop music in the 1960s. Because these days, I tend to think of singles as songs that either come from or promote an album. Mm. Why are there so many songs, some of them really amazing, from the Beatles that aren't on any album? I think uh, uh, it's important to note that you know, the whole uh, the role of the album or the album as an artistic entity is fairly historically new. Uh, around the time that the Beatles were, were beginning, that wasn't really the case. Very singles-driven market. So that's what that's where the demand was. So that's. Uh, in terms of why the Beatles recorded singles uh, and you know didn't put them on records and things like that, um, it's simply to meet the demands uh, of the market, which is quite quite a bit different now, of course, or, or quite a bit different even from a few years hence. Cartney has always said, you know, the reason that they they did that is because they wanted to add value for money. You know, they wanted to you know not have initially at least not have the singles. Uh, on the album, you know, to give the music fan a little bit extra. So that, it's kind of a combination of all those things, I think. Now, Erica, what did you make of this sort of, uh, I guess, stew of leftovers, so to speak? <laughs> it is. It's it's a burgoo of Beatles, is what it is. <laughs> it really is. Very good. Very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really enjoyed it. It was it was interesting because I. I knew a bunch of these songs. I had uh, the Beatles' 20 Greatest Hits compilation. Oh, which I, was, I had that too, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually, it was a tape, and I wore it out, as as you do when you're that age. And, uh, and, and so I knew a few of these. A few of these made it onto there. And then the other ones I just knew from the radio. And there were a couple that I didn't know as well that I'd only heard once or twice. So it was it was almost like discovering a new Beatles, <laughs> Beatles track here and there for me um but this is sort of my era my era of the beatles uh, i have always been sort of a mel- melody sort of pop punk fan i like the harmonies i like the the, the catchy tunes and mm. like you know Stephen, my husband we we both love the beatles but it's like we love completely different bands <laughs> so <laughs> so his era of the beatles is not my preferred and vice versa so i was i was very pleased that that this was the era that i get to get to listen to and talk about because it was like coming home man <laughs> nice rob what'd you make of the the ragu of uh, beatles <laughs> it's uh it sort of captures their sort of their love of uh, girl groups and things like that that's the thing that kind of uh, struck out for me, you know, the fact that they were pop fans, uh, and and they, uh, you know, the, re- the whole reason that they made pop music themselves is because they love those types of records, you know, and and their initial singles, uh, particularly, you know, in the '63-'64 uh, era, was kind of a, a reflection of of that, you know, and then later on when they begin to get a little bit more sophisticated or whatever, they're, they're still bringing in. Uh, still bringing in elements that they just love about pop music singles, you know, that, that stuff that, uh, as Erica mentioned, stuff that they heard on the radio, you know, that, and kind of re- a reflection of that. So all, all that kind of stuff kind of s- stood out for me. Uh, and another thing too is, uh, you know, a lot of those early singles were aimed directly at their teenage audience and they knew exactly who it was that they were, they were singing to, you know, and that's, that was, that's very obvious in the early stuff. Yeah, a lot of songs about girls. Yeah. Some of them, some of them, slightly uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've, it's been a recurring theme in, our, in in this podcast to talk about the ookiness of certain songs. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> For me, it's been an it's an interesting sort of series of snapshots of the Beatles' career thus far. You sort of 
go you sort of start with some of their best rock and roll hits and then you go mm. into some of the more interesting experiments and then you sort of go on to sort of the full-on maturity that they sort of are are emerging into uh so yeah. it, it's a really kind of interesting you get different snapshots of different periods of their career based on you know which songs they neglected to put on an album mm -hmm. it's an evolution it is it is yeah. Yeah. What, why don't we talk about the singles we loved uh rob what caught your fancy uh well this is a boring answer but i i love them all for different reasons um it's, that is uh, a boring answer i'm sorry boring, but but true and felt heartfelt i can hear yeah, it <laughs> totally totally i mean there's there's some that i like better than others you know i'm not not really crazy about uh, you know the from me to you thank you girl which is really just sort of a a love letter to their audience and I get that but musically I'm not as interested in that I, I love I feel fine uh, I love that song for a number of reasons uh, the first of which uh, and and skipping the idea of the, the of the feedback which is a kind of an innovation which I'm sure we'll talk about I love Ringo's drumming on that. It's uh, all that sort of Latin percussion type stuff going on. I, 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 it just really shows their musicianship, I guess. And she's a woman. I have, a, I have a real, uh, I have a real affection for that song. Just the way it sounds. Um, I love the, uh, the, the, uh, the guitar riff. I love that. And I think one of the reasons I love that so much is uh, my dad used to play that on his electric guitar. I think it was one of the first songs that he ever played on his electric guitar in my presence. And so that kind of strikes a little childhood chord for me. Uh, no pun intended. Sorry about that. <laughs> Erica, what were, the, what were the songs that you really, you really gravitated towards? Well, first, I just want to, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned She's a Woman, because that was one that, that stood out for me, not so much because I like it, but because it felt sort of incongruous to me, because it does have that sort of different guitar sound. And, you know, you've got, it's it's the Beatles, you know, one, two, three, four, simplistic beat, but it's it's yeah. the crunchier Paul voice on the, uh, yeah. on the vocals. Yeah. So it's less sweet yeah. and pure. And I have to admit, I like the sweet and pure uh, a little bit better, but it like, it almost sounds like a, a modern day, very wussy, like pop punk song, because I mean, the guitar, that sound you mentioned, it almost yeah. sounds like they're palm muting. So yeah. I'm like, is this Green Day? Yeah, that that is that is an excellent point uh, with his his sort of growly rock voice. I, I actually can't think of a, of one that predates that for for that. Maybe there is one, but I, I can't think of one. Another thing is that this is uh, this is the their bluesiest uh, you know that they get. I think in this early period, it actually reminds me of a song by a little Walter called My My Babe, which is very similar. It's and and it has a it has a, a similar sort of thematic thread that runs through it. And I think uh, maybe maybe Paul was listening to a bit of Little Walter when he was writing this song. I, I just love finding little threads like that, and, and there's lots of that in that song alone. Mm -hmm. It's it's also interesting that you mentioned uh, your your connection to to your dad playing that song because yeah. that is that is I, the song I was going to mention first is uh, this boy. Which ah. I mean, I was listening to these songs as I was on my way to work this morning. I walked to work and and mm. I I was a little bit early. And I was just coming to the block where my, my building is when this boy came on. And I just, I, I just broke into this beatific smile. This boy. 
And I, I was like, you know what? I can't, I can't walk into the building right now. I, I sat down on a bench and I looked up at this beautiful cerulean sky and just watched the clouds and just it was it was this wonderful sort of transportive experience. And part of the reason for that is because my parents um, used to be in a a trio uh, a. a rock-ish folk-ish band anyway uh-huh. they uh they did a cover of this boy which was was just amazing they actually did harmonies throughout the entire song instead of just on just on the bits that the beatles do and yeah. i have just i mean just thinking about their version of that song brings tears to my eyes in a, in a good way because it was yeah. just transportive and i mean i have to say that that's probably probably my favorite version is it's my parents version as opposed to the beatles version which i know is blasphemous and sacrilegious but i think anybody who had been at, uh, at any of the gigs where they did that that tune would probably agree with me um i have always been a huge fan of we can work it out and that that has not changed i think it's just i mean the harmonies are wonderful the harmonies in the beatles songs are always wonderful but there's something about the ones about them in this song that really get me And the the theme of the lyrics, I've always paid a lot of attention to lyrics. And as we mentioned, sometimes they're a little ooky in Beatles songs when we're talking about, you know, mostly girls. And this is more just, you know, can't we all just get along? <laughs> Which I think is <laughs> nice. And yeah, you've got... Can't we, can't we all just get along if you agree with everything I'm saying? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Here's that. There is a little bit of that. <laughs> there in is, there is totally that. Yeah. And then you've got just the fun, you know, the bridge and you got like the boom chick chick boom chick chick sort of sound and it's just yeah. the the tempo changes completely and I yeah. It's just it's a fun song and it doesn't bore me. Not that any Beatles song bores me, but some of them are mm-hmm. very similar from beginning to end and and I yeah. like the 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 change up that they do in that one. That that is that is a really good uh, aspect of that song. Um, that 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 sort of waltz thing. That that's that's the Lennon part. You know, he's he's the cynical part, and and Paul is the hopeful part. And there's lots of there's lots of interesting contrasts happening there. For me, I think I can only echo Rob. I, I love "I Feel Fine." It has such an awesome opening lick. Oh yeah, it's possibly one of my favorite openings to a Beatles song. I mean. John just nails it. It is it is so good. Baby's good to me, you know she's happy as And the feedback is I mean we might as well talk about the feedback. The feedback is this brilliant starting hook. It nicely complements what they're doing. It's very much kind of like eight days a week mm. on Be- on Beatles mm. for Sale, which is about the same era, basically. They're sort of saying, "Hey, that's a nice sound. Why don't we stick that at the at the start of the song?" Which is, which is, uh, which is sort of a great bit of experimentation. Uh, but I just love the guitar lick behind that song, and and you, as you said, the drumming is great, and the harmonies on it are just so tight. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, I just I, I love it. It's song. another favorite of mine too. But you guys have, but yeah, the, the beginning. I am. I have. If, if anybody has ever listened to me on a podcast, they know that I love beginnings, whether it's a TV show or a movie uh-huh. or. Or a trilogy or a book and so like it's the the beginnings of many of these songs just sort of you know bring to mind a, a moment or a feeling and yes the beginning of i feel fine with that just like bong thring. 
Oh, yeah, I know it's yeah. coming. This is so exciting. Apparently that was an accident. They were they were hacking around in the studio recording something or other, and uh, the feedback happened by accident. And they all kind of looked around and thought, oh, that, that's, you know, a, sort of a eureka sort of moment. But it just blends in so nicely with the actual with the actual opening. Line. Yeah, uh, yeah. The the other song I really love is Day Tripper, um, which I think is is really radical in how it creates sort of this oral landscape of music and noise in it, and kind of presages what they're going to do in a fuller form on Revolver. But here's the thing about it that really blows my mind: they did it in a really tight two minutes and forty nine seconds. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Going, <laughs> they do it, and then they do it in the length of a pop song. It's yeah. kind of it's this kind of interesting hybrid of what they used to do and what they're about to do in, in, a, in an interesting way. Day Tripper belongs in the same camp as I'd say Rubber Soul, but yeah, it kind of trips over into. Uh, into revolver as well so uh there's a lot of b-sides to talk about as well and i kind of feel like b-sides are often the lonely stepchild they're they're the deep cuts of singles <laughs> rob, 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 rob is pleased that i managed to sneak we haven't mentioned the words deep cut for a while Grant. it's been a while a while yeah. it's true so it's true. we gotta we get on that in. you know we're gonna yeah, have to make true. sure that's in every episode now <laughs> But there's some amazing songs uh, in those B-sides as well. Um, I guess, I guess, Erica, what were your favorite of the B-sides? Well, I guess technically I already covered it because I mentioned This Boy, which is the B-side for I Want to Hold Your Hand. Um, right. But so, so I guess I'll, right now I'll say I like I Want to Hold Your Hand, too, because it's got hand claps and it's a song about hands. You guys, it's perfect. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Rob, what's your, is there a B-side you liked? Uh, yeah, well... Um... I love uh, two in particular, uh, and they're both sort of in, from the help sort of period. Uh, yes, it is, which is yeah. a, uh, a really sublime tune, and it, and it doesn't sound like anything else they'd, they'd ever done before, I don't think. It has that sort of, sort of sustained kind of guitar sound. Please don't worry. And I don't know how they, I actually don't know how they, they did that. It sort of sounds like, you know, Robert Fripp or something like that, you know, before Robert Fripp came on the scene. But that, that's yeah, I, I have it. I've written down, I have written down, it sounds like Angelo Badalamenti before Angelo yeah, Badalamenti. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's just sort of uh, melancholic and, and, uh, and sweet and sad. And I just, I, I'm a sucker for that, I guess. Um, and uh, uh, to contrast that slightly, and we talked about this when we talked about help, but uh, I'm down, which is basically Paul writing a Little Richard song. Again, it's, it's them being really bluesy, and I, I love his voice on it, that sort of growly rock voice that he would use. Um, and uh, John on the, uh, on the keyboards. Um, as well, which he attempted to do on stage, and that, of course, is the most one of the most wonderful things that's ever to have happened. Uh, and uh, yes, I guess those two. Yes, it, uh, for me, it's yes, it is. Uh, it, I have written down my notes. It's ultimate Everly Brothers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it has an Everly sort of sort of feel to it. That's for sure. Yeah, that's it. That's well observed. 
it's it's almost like they distilled the essence of every single melancholy Everly Brothers song. There's a lot of those. Of put, <laughs> and there's a lot yeah, of those. Right. And it's like they sort of distilled it and sort of put it into a single into a single song. And it's the dreamlike sound quality to it that you identify that sort of Angelo Badalamenti kind of Robert Fripp kind yeah. of kind of that kind of feel that sort of sustained sort of uh, you know guitar sound kind of uh, what's the word for it gossamer kind of feel to it. You know, really sort of hazy and yeah, I just love that that sound. For me, uh, B-Sides also nicely pivots to my last question, which was what real surprises were there amongst the singles and B-Sides for you? And for me, one of the biggest surprises is in the song Thank You, Girl, because what what, what fascinates me about this, it's, 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 it's one of those songs that, A, I sort of say, yeah, I can kind of live without, and then the more I listen to it, I go, oh, I kind of like this. Um, and it has this wonderful kind of, quality of colonizing your brain it's very interesting but the other thing about it is it has this 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 and all i gotta do chorus and it is actually it 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 sounds like it must have been an influence on dusty springfield's i only want to be with you Mm. because it literally is basically the same progression As soon as they sing, and all I gotta do, I immediately think the next line is gonna be, I only wanna be with you. <laughs> oh dear. I have a retroactive so, uh, legal case now uh, that we kick <laughs> off here now. Uh-oh. But thank you, girl came out first. So yeah. you know, the Be- the Beatles the Beatles could possibly win the case. Oh, um, yeah, because they need the money. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, need they they need yeah. they're they're hurting. McCartney's kinda down on his luck these days, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, my biggest surprise was I'll Get You, because that's not one that I was really familiar with. Um, I'm, I'm pretty certain that I had heard it at some point, but it wasn't, it wasn't in my bones the way most of the rest of these were. Like, like some of them I probably didn't even need to re-listen to to be able to talk about them. But this one really was one of those ones that, that felt kind of new, and, and I really liked it. And not just because it also has hand claps, and I... <laughs> yes, I'm a sucker for hand claps. I admit. <laughs> but... And as you was... pointed out, it's about hands, which is another, is this a whole is this why you married a percussionist? I want to. <laughs> I didn't know that was just a happy accident. I think, uh, but it was cool to listen, sort of without a nostalgia factor in there. So I didn't have you know rose tinted glasses on when I was listening to it, and oh man, some really amazing harmony on it. It almost it it felt almost a little bit more sophisticated than some of the the harmony that's that's on the other songs at this at this era Imagine I'm in love with you It's easy cuz I know I've imagined I'm in love with you many 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 times before So it wasn't quite you know the weirdness of some of the late era Beatles stuff but it kind of seemed to be moving in that direction um, from time to time so there are parts of the song where it was just oh uh, like butter it ha- it sort of starts in with that kind of low key mm-hmm. oh yeah oh and you think this is this sounds kind of almost like a parody of a Beatles <laughs> song you know in a way mm. and then it sort of grabs you and you kind of are you're kind of carried by it rob uh any big surprises for you i don't know about surprises but um i i think uh the Again, I mean, we've talked about this before, so maybe that's not so much of a surprise. But um, the the chords, just the the sophistication of the chords, even in the simplest stuff, even 
in From Me to You. You know, there's lots of really interesting chords in there. I've got arms, I want to hold you. That whole section uh, is got some really cool sort of jazzy kind of chords in there. Um, and uh, I guess one of the biggest surprises uh, would be how sophisticated they were, even at this earliest stage. Uh, and, you know, it, it sort of points the way to where they would go with, with other songs, which we talked about extensively when we talked about Please Please Me, but um, that, that, was, that was a big reminder in that particular song as well. And uh, uh, She Loves You, of course, is the, the sort of third-party love song, um, which, which is interesting. I don't know if that was one of the first like that, um, but I was reminded of how interesting that the whole narrative is is with that you know it's not, the person singing is not the person who is invested in the love it's you know that the person's like a go-between and i i thought that was kind of kind of interesting as well mm-hmm. yeah actually she loves you <laughs> reminded me of uh when i was in sixth grade my elementary school did uh it was kind of a, a musical play kind of just a review of a bunch of songs and mm-hmm. there was this one kid that everybody thought was cute and he was the kid that got to sing she loves you in front of like <laughs> the you know fake you know air guitaring with the with a cardboard guitar and having a fake drummer and stuff behind him and mm-hmm. and yes and uh all the uh, all the girls who were on the risers were instructed as soon as you know they they came out onto the stage to scream as loud as as possible and <laughs> And, the, you know, the, the rest of these sixth graders back in the 80s, they didn't get it. Like, they were like, why are we screaming? They just didn't know. I got it because I knew yeah. my Beatles history. And I, I would like to say that I screamed better than any of the rest of them. <laughs> nice. <laughs> awesome. The other thing that's kind of surprised me is how solid the, the, their greatest hits are. How incredibly good uh, sh- uh, She Loves You and I Want to Hold Your Hand are. I, 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 it's just like, oh my God. Yeah. No wonder these things became <clears throat> incredible hits and rocketly these guys to superstardom. They're brilliant songs. I was going to say too about uh, I Want to Hold Your Hand. Uh, the guitar sound in that is sort of, sounds kind of distorted to me, like in a good way. Like it's sort of, uh, sort of ferocious, you know. At least for 1963, it is. And I guess if we're talking about surprises, just, just the little details like that, like the the sound of that guitar. Um, I guess it's John playing the rhythm, um, and uh, just yeah, just how different that that guitar sound is. And uh, again, uh, the the role of the guitar and the sound of the guitar would change uh, drastically, uh, you know, from the beginning of the 1960s to the end. Um, you know, at the beginning, there's lots of sh- sort of shadows, kind of, you know, that sort of twangy sort of sound. And by the end, we have Jimi Hendrix, you know. So uh, I Want to Hold Your Hand fits in there, I think, uh, with, with just the way that the guitar actually sounds. It's interesting to me because, you know, this goes back to our, our original arguments on, back in the episodes where we, where we talked about Please Please Me and, and with the Beatles. Yeah. That, you know, do, are there things you can hear in the Beatles' earliest, earliest works that sort of point to what they would later become? Yeah. And, and this, this, this is yet another bit of mounting evidence from my point of view. Yeah, well, lucky thing that we were talking about the singles then, eh? <laughs> And on that bombshell, I think that brings us to a close. If you have any comments, drop us a line at Beatles at GemGeekOrRareBug.com and we'll be back in a few weeks to talk about the Beatles' seventh album, Revolver. In the meantime, thank you, Rob Jones and Eric Anson. Thank you both. Thank you. I'm Graham Burke. We'll see you next time on A Year with the Beatles.
Here's all that remains from 1962 to 1965 in singles and b-sides in two minutes, more or less. And, of course, as I said that, my dog actually fell off the bed right beside me. <laughs> I wondered yeah, what, that what that was. So I'm going to yeah. do that one more time. Hang on a second. <laughs>